There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. This week is a cracking episode talking with Dr. Paul Malloy, who is a plant disease modeler you might know or have heard of models coming through with COVID and it's pretty similar sort of scenario he plays out for his own dealing with plants and across the spectrum of broadacre crops and how and what impacts them the most and they've led into a few apps so you'll find out about a few apps in this episode and if it applies to you download them and see how it can work in your own scenario but for this episode let's get into it and hear from Dr. Paul Malloy himself. Paul Malloy, thank you very much for coming on the Farms Vice podcast, sharing your expertise. The very first plant model, plant disease modeler we've had on the podcast. Um, so great to have your insight, your views, and how that's actually playing out for farmers within your project. Yeah, thanks very much, Jack. Good to be here. Well, let's get it started. And before we get down to agribusiness, Give us a little bit of your connection. Listeners love to hear who's the person behind the mic and Paul Malloy today. So who's Paul and where's he come from and how has he gotten in position where he is today? Yeah, so I live in, I grew up in Brisbane. Um, I've always kind of felt a bit more of a connection to rural Australia though. Um, so even when I was a child, me and my best mate wanted to become farmers. Yep. Uh, he actually went on to run cattle outside Gundawindi. So he, and um, I went on to become a plant pathologist. So both working, yeah, both working in agriculture. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, but I was drawn to plant protection in agriculture in my final years at uni um, when I was doing a Bachelor of Science. So some of the, I did some work experience with Queensland DPI, moved on, did some work with CSIRO. Um, back then, it was the millennium drought. That was um, pretty, yeah, putting huge pressure on grain growers. So um, my research efforts back then were focusing on crown rot in wheat. And that led me through a master's and PhD. Um, I went on to do some plant pathology work in cotton, did a lot of disease surveys, did a lot of, visited a lot of uh, cotton growing land. So I went out, you know, drove around Cubby Station and around St George, up to Emerald, um, right across Queensland, uh, looking at diseases in paddocks and doing soil coring for nematodes. Uh, yeah, then um, I've, I've also done a lot, bit of extra work in plant pathology, diagnostician in, in plant, for plant, Panama disease bioresponse, um, insect pathology for biocontrols. But um, I was drawn towards statistics and modelling um, over those years, I've got an interest in that and, um, and programming. And uh, I think there's a real benefit that that could, that, uh, where I could use those skills to leverage experimental work done over a lot of, a lot of the decades, a lot of time to help out with, um, especially with a lot of the modern technology and apps yeah. to deliver the experience of many years of data into, um, to help make day-to-day decisions, tailored decisions for, for growers, yeah. Well, before I forgot to mention, you're actually Dr. Paul Malloy um, and a research fellow and the work you're doing is pretty phenomenal and a bit far and beyond my head of all the realm that I'm in for agriculture, but it's great to see what sort of research and the funding that goes into looking at plant disease and how plant disease can impact our yields and I think what you're trying to do is increase our yields by limiting and preventing plant disease um, and how it's controlled on farm. Yeah, so um, I'm working on a, a GRDC funded project yeah. with um, quite a number of collaborating institutions across Australia, so Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in WA, Ag- um, Agriculture Victoria, um, Queensland Department of Agriculture and Fisheries, New South Wales DPI, um, also Mark Rife Grain, so some private uh, research companies there. Um, we're all working together, sharing data to improve understanding of a lot of the major diseases in grain crops um, to deliver decision support tools, um, which help present all that data and information we've been collecting to growers and agronomists um, to help make informed choices for them to um, when they're trying to um, reduce disease on their on their farm or if they've got disease problems. So I guess, you know, how are we decreasing yield losses? Um, and by that 10% goal, um, well, on average, diseases across Australia can cause about 20% loss in wheat, for example, and the number kind of varies between different crops on average annually. 
Um, and our project is focused towards um, ensuring producers have access to what best practices, what the best practices are for them, and how that, and how for their situation they can maximise financial returns to their crops. Um, we we aim to do this by looking back at um, data from pre previous experiments. So um, right now I'm doing a meta-analysis and some modelling on barley and netlotch. And um, I've got data from 1977 through to today. So that's over 40 years of data um, that we're looking at. And um, so we'll be, so in that data, we're sort of looking for factors that cause diseases to get started. Um, what increases the severity of those diseases? what drives yield losses due to the disease um, and what yield thresholds um, are there for the management of those diseases um, and to ensure that that management is economical. Um, so some of that, we, so we can, um, we look at sort of optimizing fungicide application timing um, to ensure that you get increased efficacy and avoid unnecessary sprays because that can be costly for growers. Um, and we've released a few applications for tablets that are available on Apple Store and, and Google Play to help with their help growers making decisions um, so they can adopt and uh, adopt those decisions to reduce yield losses and um, uh, um, for the, yeah, and save money. What are, what are those three or two, one biggest decisions that broadacre croppers are looking to implement into limiting their exposure to plant disease, um, depending on whether what crop they're running? But how can they, like we've got optimised timing of when to do a spray out in, in crop. Um, and how that can improve their yield loss. But what are a few others elements that they're trying to improve on? Yeah, so um, I guess limiting the impact of disease on your yields and, and effectively the return at the end of the year, really, I think planning kind of needs to start early. So in some, in some cases, you might think about a different sowing date to either avoid when you're likely to get spore showers yep. from um, particular disease. So um, there's a, a model that's produced by Deep Herd and Sardi um, for black spot in field peas. And that, um, and that will tell you when the majority of the spores have um, spread to, and to avoid the majority of getting the disease getting started in your crop. So if you can delay your sowing, you can avoid a lot of the inoculum that's going to infect your crop. Um, but then if, if you, um, but in the middle of crop, um, so some of the main options you have usually come down to applying fungicide. Um, and so as we're, talking about the timing of fungicide is very important to get um, increased efficacy. So um, whether that's making sure you're spraying ahead of 
certain rain events which might cause diseases to spread. So having a protecting fungicide on there or even um, looking at spraying when the disease gets to a certain threshold where it's going to start causing yield declines. So, and again, it, it depends on which crop and what disease you got, um, you're looking at. Um, it also depends on what your target yield is. If you're running dry land or irrigated scenario, um, a lot of these sort of factors will uh, play a big um, a big role in deciding what your management scenario, what, what you're going to do to, to manage the disease in your crop. So sometimes you might have some disease in your crop, um, but you're not, it might be a dry land scenario and you're not pushing for really high yield. You've got some disease there, but it might not be uh, the, the cost that it's going to cause the, in yield reduction might be less than the cost of going out there and, and spraying for it. So um, we try to take an integrated approach to advising, you know, it's really about um, getting the best value for um, your, your interventions. So um, saving on spray costs um, and getting the, the lowest cost of production for the growers. So. Just a question out of the blue, is there more, is plant disease more rife in irrigated crops than it is dry land? Um, I think maybe the incidence might be around the same or yeah. might be a bit more in irrigated because, um, but irrigated crops and when there's a lot more moisture around, it does allow for the severity of some foliar diseases to, to build up a lot faster. The humidity there um, is, it makes it a bit more conducive for the pathogen to, to let, um, commence an infection. So, but again, it depends on the disease because some diseases are more severe under dry conditions. So, um, yeah, it again depends on the crop and, and the situation. So, as I said earlier with crown rot, um, that was a big problem during the millennium drought uh, because it's more, it's exacerbated during dry, yep. dry scenarios. Um, I think it's more, it's like a chronic disease. It kind of just sits around. You're probably, all, most people probably always find some form of it in their paddock, but it might not be taking too much away from the yield until the conditions become suitable and the disease becomes a lot more like acute and you'll get um, large losses and, and whiteheads in, um, due to that at, at the end of the season. So, yeah. What I like about this project is like increasing that goal for 10% yield improvement by decreasing the plant diseases out there on your own crop. But as a 25 million ton sort of range, that would be improving it by two and a half million tons um, right across Australia. And that's a fair whack and having that as our input into growing that production, 100 billion at the farm gate goes a long way, doesn't it? looking at these tools for farmers to utilise to improve their own individual farm, but as an industry, lifting up the standard, the benchmark of how we can limit plant disease and improve our yields is pretty vital for the industry. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. So 10% is, um, is a huge, huge number um, and could leverage into huge gains for the industry. Um, we, we've got a number of different apps out there to assist with that. They're, more, they're predominantly focused in grain crops because we're funded by the GRDC, Grains Research and Development Corporation. Um, and we're, we're aiming to sort of get those, um, those re the reduction in those losses by mainly getting our uh, uh, building awareness for those apps. So um, we, we believe if a lot of growers and agronomists take on those apps and, and, and even just consult the advice getting from them, we'll, we'll allow them to make better decisions. They're, they're not applications there to tell the grower what to do. Um, we're aware that they're very switched on. They know what they're doing on the ground. They have different situations. Um, and these applications are, are, are built in such a way to allow those to be tailored for each person's situation. And they give you a range of risk, you know, a range of scenarios of what might happen and the most likely outcome, but leaves the decision in the hands of the, of the user. So um, what, Right now, one one app that might be quite uh, would be useful for growers um, who are putting in canola is Blackleg CM. So that's a Blackleg Canola Manager. Yeah. Um, so that that's an app you might want to use to avoid crown canker in canola crops or blackleg. And this this year being a wet season, um, that'll put a bit of higher disease risk there. So another canola app is sclerotinia cm um, that'll be useful for later in the season when sclerotinia might become an issue um, or even and we're also releasing a new app in the middle of this year blackleg uci so that's for upper canopy infection in canola um, that's control the, the blackleg pathogen lepsphera maculans in the upper canopy later in the season um, for wheat there's, um, we've got uh, app Stripe Rust WM, so Stripe Rust Wheat, wheat Manager uh, for control, for timing your fungicide applications for, to control Stripe Rust. Again, it's looking like it's going to be a fairly a moist season, so Stripe Rust will, will um, might become a big issue there, so it'll be important to have that one in your toolkit. Um, in addition, yellow spot wheat manager, yellow spot WM, that'll be useful if you're growing more so if you're growing wheat back to back. Um, yellow spot, it um, it's a stubble borne disease. Um, if you're planting wheat into wheat, um, that might have a bit of yellow spot in it from the previous season. The spores don't travel far from that from that residue. So if you grew yellow spot in a neighboring paddock, you're probably not at risk from those yellow those spores moving because they only move maybe um, 10 meters at most um, compared to some other stubble-borne diseases which can blow uh, hundreds of kilometers um, from, from, from stubble. Uh, we also have uh, powdery mildew MBM for powdery mildew and mung bean. Um, and we're preparing a, a new app for net blotch in barley. Yeah. 
um, for next year. So as, as a farmer, I'm planting wheat. At what time do I like seek out these tools? Am I using it right the way through when to look at planting time coming into quite a wetter year for 2022? How do we utilize these tools as a farmer on the ground? Yeah, I think um, downloading the app and just opening and having a look now is a great idea. Um, just just familiarizing yourself with, with the app, having a look, see what it offers. But primarily, a lot of these would require you to make, um, if you're planning on making a decision about controlling a disease, you might, um, you might be monitoring your crops. Um, and when you notice something in the, in the field uh, and you're thinking about applying a fungicide, um, these, that's where these apps can help you make those decisions. You know, should you be applying it as soon as possible? Or is there, a ben is there a benefit to delaying it um, until the, the crop's at a different growth stage? Um, how many applications should you be considering? Is a one spray scenario enough to, to control a disease? Or do you need to consider a two, a two or three spray um, scenario to, to make sure that you're not going to have um, your yields uh, curtailed a lot by the disease. Um, and these, these crops, sorry, these apps um, are designed and validated on large amounts of field data. Yeah. Um, and they take into account the user's personal circumstances for weather, their target yields, risk, the risk of disease, and provides them with like a better, the best understanding of the disease risk so they can make informed decisions for any fungicide intervention. So predominantly they're mainly used, uh, they, might, they might be mainly used either around sowing or um, when the grower might be planning a fungicide application, whether they've been scouting the crop or thinking about a scouting the crop, um, they're good to just um, check on throughout the season um, and they'll help you consider a wide range of scenarios and when you might, when the best time would be to uh, make an intervention and management of those diseases. Yeah, and as a farmer, we want the tools to be able to tell us what decision to make um, and maybe when to make it as well. So it's great to have that as a farmer. But for this tool, what's the uptake been with agronomists? Because I see they'd be out in the paddock a lot more utilising this for their own clients. How does that work and is it working for agros as well? Yeah, so many agronomists have taken the apps on board. Um, yeah. It's a little hard to get statistics about how many have taken it up and, and how much that's been run from, from what we get back in the app because quite often you might have one agronomist servicing a number of different clients and they'll open the application once, run it for all their clients in the one session. <laughs> um, and they, you know, that might be 10 for 10 different clients over many different areas. And then that's, and we, all we get, all we know is that one person opened the app and um, um, is using it. But, but what we do know is that um, I think there, there'd be a, a large benefit for those that aren't already using them to, um, to open it up, to, to get, um, to download the apps and have a look and, and give them a try. Um, 
they're, they're updated regularly so and we take on board from users. So if people want to see something different or if they don't believe it's working for them, um, they're more than they should get in touch with us and, and let us know. We're, we're very keen to, to hear from our users. Um, yeah, so there's um, we, we do believe that a, a, an increased uptake would see a, a greater saving for fungicide costs across the industry and also improving improving yields as well. Yeah, exactly. It's just bringing in the farmer's ear of how can we improve our yields, especially as we came out the back end of the drought for the eastern states and across WA as well um, and in the middle. So we want to be able to improve on these good years where we can, get a good crop off, um, and how we can do that by utilising the tools. It's not going to solve all the issues, but if we have the decision makers, those tools um, that can simplify what we're doing as a farmer can really help as well. So for the different tools, what crops is it covering and what's coming out that we might be able to look into? You said one coming for July. Yeah, that's right. So we've got um, two apps available for canola at the moment. That's blackleg and sclerotinia. Yeah. And then another one that's coming out mid-year uh, blackleg upper canopy infection. Um, so that's blackleg UCICM. Um, and that's, that's coming out. That should be available in time for when that disease will be coming an issue. So that, that disease upper canopy infection is when the, the pathogen gets up onto the petals of the, the flowers. Um, and can infect um, infect the plant through during that stage of the the crop and reduce uh, yields. Then, so um, that'll be a good one to look out for later in the season when that's that's a problem. If you start noticing um, your petals, some of the the, uh, the flower petals that might have these little black spots on them from the um, pseudothesia. Yeah. then you might be at risk of this disease and that'll help you make a decision, a, bit, um, a spray decision around then. Um, in wheat, we've got um, the Stripe Rust Wheat Manager and with a lot more moisture around through a lot of the area, uh, a lot of the regions, Stripe Rust will, there'll be a, a, a higher risk for Stripe Rust in the season. So it'll be good to consult Stripe Rust from the Stripe Rust Wheat Manager from time to time. Um, the data we have from this is um, it has been contributed by uh, and worked on by Roger Parks in, in from Sydney Uni and also Stephen Simpfendorfer um, in New South Wales DPI um, have helped with the development of this app. Um, Yellow Spot as well um, would be an important one if people are thinking about doing a back-to-back -back wheat year um so yellow spot wheat manager um it's quite those are the a lot of farmers are doing wheat back to back so it might be a really good one to have a look at yep yeah so that i mean yellow spot too if you you might not have you might have had it a, a little bit in your last season's crop and not really noticed it might not have been an issue but it doesn't mean it's not there so you, even if you haven't planted yet, if you go out and have a look at some of your stubble um, and you notice some of the, there's little black spots, they're like um, fairly hard 
kind of black spots on the wheat stubble. Um, if you notice, there's some of the, um, those what they call pseudothesia, they're fruiting bodies of the of the pathogen. If you notice those, um, then you might be at risk of yellow spot, and um, you should definitely be uh, downloading our yellow spot wheat manager app um, to make sure that you keep in, on top of that through this season. And definitely, and moving on, you got a powdery mildew for mung beans. Yeah, that's right. Um, so if you so mung bean season probably is over for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, they mainly get, although some people might be considering putting them in in spring. Um, uh, powdery mildew is not generally too much of a problem in spring because it um, when uh, it, it gets severe when conditions start to cool. Um, so this this app really does help maybe for those that are that have whacked in maybe wheat through the um, winter and spring and then they're looking to throw in a quick opportunity crop like mung bean. So it's a it can you can go three months from planning to harvest if they if they're whacking something in after Christmas or even maybe later in February. Uh, that's when mung bean crops can be most at risk from powdery mildew because it gets quite severe when um, conditions cool off and get a bit more moist um, and we get a bit more rain in that um, in those that time of year and um, so having powdery mildew MBM will be very will be hit very handy in um, in making a spray decisions for that. And for like coming up with these models for plant disease, how do you determine what you're going to produce? Is it because that plant disease is so rife in a certain area within Australia or it's just time sensitivity? Yeah, we, we look at, um, we do look at what diseases are a high priority for the industry. Um, and, but we also look at, um, what we can use so some disease models can be adapted to other systems because they have very similar uh basically biology and epidemiology um so if i'm not sure if many of you listeners will be familiar with a disease cycle but it's just basically the life cycle of a disease where it might be a stubble um uh, a disease that's um, stubble-born, so it'll exist on the, the the stubble of the plant, and then it, it infects the host from that. It'll live out its pathogenic life stage through the crop, and then it'll move to uh, a saprophytic lifestyle in the, the um, in the off season where it's living on the crop stubble. So, when we're developing these models, we consider the whole life cycle of the of the pathogen and we what we try to do is put is put numbers on the survival of inoculum um, how far spores can travel from the inoculum source um, what, what weather conditions those spores are released yep. under and um, and what and during the season, what, what weather, weather can, um, is conducive for incidents or what, the first infection and even the secondary infections that occur, what makes them severe. So we use all of these things 
to model what's going to happen within the disease season. And then we compare that, we, we look at that, that model of how the disease survives and um, is successful. And we try to figure out, well, how can we break that cycle a bit? How can we reduce the efficacy of this pathogen um, to make sure that the host is, uh, is, um, is, is doing well enough to produce what its potential is? So, um, that's, so that's how we sort of approach doing the modelling. Um, and that requires doing a lot of experimentation. So modeling might sound like it requires a lot of time behind a computer, but we do spend a lot of time setting up experiments in the field um, and glasshouses, trying to understand these little parts of the, the disease life cycle and how they're going to impact on the production for growers. Yeah, so for these diseases, are they evolving like the more well-known COVID disease we've had of late, like within humans as the flu, acting like a plant? Is it evolving over time? So like the last 20 years of data, sort of seen it react a bit different? Yeah, well, as a, well, one of the, one of the names I go under is an epidemiologist, plant uh, for a plant pathologist who's an epidemiologist, and yeah, a couple of years ago, no one knew what an epidemiologist was. So now kind of had COVID to thank for that. And we can compare a lot of what we do to, um, to the COVID pandemic. Um, so, and, um, and disease, um, disease theory um, is very similar between what happens in, you know, um, what's happening with the COVID pandemic and what could be happening in your in your fields so uh, and yes the pathogens do evolve over time some pathogens evolve a lot faster than others Um, and it's one of the it's one of the reasons that we want to make these that we're hoping people adopt these apps is because they don't they're not only looking to save you money by reducing less uh, reducing the number of um, fungicide applications you might need. So re- that's getting rid of those um, fungicide applications that aren't actually going to save you any yield. By reducing the number of fungicide applications, you're actually reducing the chance that um, the fungicide is going to evolve resistance to that. Um, so we want to make sure that the chemistry that the growers are using at the moment is going to be available for many years to come. Um, and that it's being used effectively, uh, and that um, and that gives them more t- tools to use in the field. So yeah, absolutely, these pathogens are evolving over time. So netlotch, a def- uh, pathogen, is we've definitely been seeing shifts in in that evolution. Um, I've been doing a bit of work on ascochyta and chickpea, and those pathogen populations are definitely evolving resistance to um, they're, they're definitely evolving um, and becoming more challenging to manage uh, and that um, our colleagues over at Griffith University are definitely been monitoring those um, and seeing that change so you know there are there are some challenges for us in the future with how the pathogen changes uh, and we need to get smart about um, 
targeting those and making effective interventions to ensure that we can uh, continue with this battle for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, it's great to have a plant disease modeler actually talking with the farmers and all of those tuning in today, we've got a huge audience of broad acre across cotton uh, that will be coming up. They've already planted or they're currently planting these crops. So they should be on the lookout for these plant diseases um, as they come up. So make sure you do go on and have a look at these apps. I'll put the links in the show notes just so people can have a look and see what's coming up for them. But as you said before, the models are, you can adjust them to what your own scenario is, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So there's a number of different um, options that you can choose and change within the app. Um, so you, could, you put your crop circumstances, that could be uh, your target yield, what the grain price is at the time and what you're expecting to get, even how much the grain price might fluctuate takes into a, that into account in its estimations. Um, it also take, then you can also add what stage your crop's at, the maturity, um, how much disease, and then also the what weather might be expected over the next two to three weeks. So um, they're, they're for tailoring to each, user, um, each user's circumstances. Yeah. Um, and yeah, instead of giving more regional um, advice that might not be useful between even sometimes neighbours will, yeah, will have different uh, interventions that they might be useful to them under different scenarios. Yeah, we, um, there's a lot of experimentation that uh, occurs on many different varieties um, of the plants, so of the crops. So, uh, and we, we make sure that those, the, the resistance of the host and the cultivars is up to date in the apps and they can choose what cultivar they're using on their farm. So they make sure, so make sure that they're getting the most accurate estimations we can, so. Great stuff. And for, as a piece of farm's advice, what would you give to a farmer looking at these apps um, just to get started or if they're mature within the app? Yeah, um, download the app, have a look, have a play with it. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I don't think there's any harm in having a look at um, prior to use, and that'll give you an understanding of when you know when it comes go time that you'll be up to speed with them. There are within the app, you should be able to find um, help on how to use it. So there are little instructional videos that you can can find when um, using it. So. Um, yeah, that's my advice. Jump on board. Um, I will just say that um, some of the apps don't work so well on a phone, but they do or will they will all work on tablets. So they're, they're most optimized for use of tablets. But we are working to to make sure they're going to be use uh, be able to be used on phones as well in the in the near future. Yeah, and I'd go as far as say that a lot of broadacre croppers have tablets anyway, so it might be of good use. Well, yep. thank, thanks for coming on to the show as the first plant disease modeler, Dr. Paul Malloy. Thank you very much. Um, for anyone wanting to contact you yourself, if you want them to, or where they can go to to find out more about the research, the modeling you've been working on, where can they go and do that? 
Yeah, I would love for more growers to get in touch with me and discuss the disease issues on their farm. So if they want to get into contact with me, they can um, go to the University of Queensland Researcher Profiles and they can search for me there. Or they can get in contact with me on Twitter. My handle's just Paul Malloy or one word or on or through LinkedIn. Yeah, that'd be great. Beautiful. And for the last question I ask most guests is, who else would you like to hear on the Farms Wise podcast and why? Yeah, um, I would I'd love to I love just hearing from the growers and what their issues are on the fit on the on the um, in the farm. Yeah. Um, because that's that's kind of where we get our ideas. Um, and and we that's what we're doing we're servicing them so I, I really like hearing from individual growers what's what's an issue for them on the farm what what problems they see in the are in the region and that um that's really useful for us yeah i think that'd be great as well so if anyone wants to hello at farmsvice.com.au just send me an email i'll be happy to have you on it's pretty difficult to get growers breeders anyone on from the farm side because they don't think they have enough information but that's what we're trying to do is pass on their own farm's advice to the next generation and amalgamate the two between you, the farmer, and the consumer at the end of what we're producing. Thank you for tuning in to the Farm's Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.